0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're also, in addition to Spotify, Podbean, and all the others... We are on Dash Radio every single night at 7 p.m. Just download the Dash Radio app and search for Nothing But Net. That's the channel where you'll find us. Also, check out the 5 Reasons YouTube channel and FiveReasonsSports.com. Also, the great sponsors of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. That includes our friends over at Miami Grill. For over 30 years, Miami Grill has brought you the big favorites from the big cities. They feature authentic ingredients prepared fresh to order with the best cheesesteaks, wings, gyros, Burgers and more. Don't just bring dinner home. Bring home Miami. Order online or in person. Pick up, drive through, dine in and delivery available at all locations. If you're craving it, they're making it. Bringing Miami Miami grill home has never been easier. Just go to mymiamigrill.com. That's mymiamigrill.com. And we appreciate the fact that they're going to cater our little draft special this week. So make sure you check them out. Locations all over South Florida. And now today's episode.
2: One, two, three, four, five. On the floor.
3: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network.
1: All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. We got a two parter for you. In the second part, I'm going to talk to our friend Eric Brown. We're going to do our value play segment. But in part one, we've got Greg Slavander here tonight. We've also got my former colleague and my friend Howard Beck. You can find him now at Sports Illustrated, of course, for years at Bleach Report, uh, the New York Times, and working out in LA as well. Howard, we're going to rapid fire you today, okay? So this is. All right. Our- this, we're we're going to go quickly. Greg has prepared some questions. I am reviewing them now. I, I was going to say for the second time, so Greg thinks I looked at them earlier, but actually this is for the first time. So let's uh, let's roll through it. And and some of the teams that he's focusing on here, you're very familiar with. So I, I will go with number one. I will let Greg go with number two. Is Heat Knicks at four or five the most intriguing of the four or five matchups?
3: Ooh, spicy right off the top. <laughs> I like that. I mean, look, it's in play, but then again, like everything is in play for both of those teams. I don't know where anyone's going to end up, but man, if we're going to start rooting for, you know, bracket outcomes, matchup outcomes in the first round, re sparking Knicks heat. Here's the only problem guys. It has been so long since the Knicks have been relevant um, at that level that I don't know if there's any – I mean, there are old-school Knicks fans and old-school Heat fans who will appreciate, especially their battles in the 90s. And then there was the brief, very brief rematch. When was that? 2013? 12? When was
2: yeah, that? Yeah, during the big three era, they, they met once in the first round. You're right.
3: Right. Um, that that doesn't count. I mean, when we talk Heat-Knicks, we're talking P.J. Morning, Brown, and Charlie doing, Ward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys getting flipped upside down, you know – Jeff Van Gundy getting dragged on morning's leg. Um, there's a whole, you know, I live here. I live in New York, and I, you know, obviously, I covered the Knicks a bunch of years. I can just tell by the fandom on Twitter that there's a whole generation of younger fans that really don't, I, I don't, I don't think have an appreciation or full understanding of all that. Old school fans would love the 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 resparking of that rivalry. The other thing is that rivalries don't really exist in the NBA anymore. Like, I don't know if they're there. Like, I don't know if you can rekindle Heat Knicks. I'd like to think you can. But, I mean, there's no – in the last five, ten years, aside from the fact that, like, we've had Warriors versus Cavs four straight years, LeBron versus various kind of, like, uh, you know, guys who are trying to take the throne, we really – we've not had team versus team rivalries that are sustained or that are nasty because, like, guys don't fight anymore. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's as good as anything. The only one – and, again, this is my, like, New York bias. I was thinking because the Nets – The Nets are probably locked at two, could still get to one. The Knicks could still be seven or eight. There's still like Nets. Knicks first round is still on the table. And I kind of have a leaning toward that one, especially because the Nets have the super team. The Knicks weren't even supposed to be this good at this point. And it's like the Nets have the headlines and the star power, but the Knicks still have the following in New York. And so them going up against the Nets and trying to take them down, knock them out would be really fun.
2: Yeah, I can't lie. I think that that storyline is probably a little, uh, they're, they're, you're able to wax poetic on that a little bit more than Heat Knicks these days because Pat Riley's suntan is just too crisp. He's been in Miami too long now and Heat Knicks is not necessarily a rivalry. So I'm with you there. I'm glad you actually mentioned Brooklyn because uh, that's where we want to go next. And that is, um, I saw a stat recently and I think everyone has seen it that the big three that Brooklyn has assembled has only played seven games. And, uh, heat fans in particular are very familiar with how long it takes to get acclimated with, uh, three superstars, you know, the, the infamous nine and eight start and things like that with, with the big three in Miami. So I'm interested to hear your perspective as somebody who's close to that team, um, do you think that they can pull this off with only seven games together? Like, does chemistry matter in this weird season? It almost feels like it. It, it it's maybe the year that it won't matter as much. And I'm interested to hear your perspective on that.
3: Well, no one has uh, bumped Steve Nash on their way back to the bench yet, so they've got that going for them. Um, look, like they they haven't even been, been together long enough to have like a stumbling nine and eight start. <laughs> um, it's true it's so weird. It's so like the nets. I cannot remember a team that looked so great on paper. That was so impossible to assess. We've seen teams with great talent, sometimes, you know, drag through the regular season, uh, you know, kind of um, not take it seriously enough underperformed for, for certain reasons, but we've never seen a team thrown together on the fly like this. And it's funny to say that because of course, Kyrie and KD have been here for almost two years in Brooklyn, but They haven't played that many games together. You know, Durant was out the full season. Kyrie only played 20 games his first year there. Um, Those two plus Harden, as you mentioned, have barely played together. So it feels like they were just thrown together and then have never played together. And now suddenly here we are. It's almost the playoffs. And I have no feel for what that big three really looks like. For whatever we might want to say about the Heat's uh, stumbles early on in in the LeBron, Bosh, Wade era, or whatever we might want to say about other big threes, or even the quick start that the Celtics had with Pierce, Garnett, Ray Allen, the fact is at some point we looked at those teams and said, yeah, I see it. I get it. I see how they're playing off each other. I see what their roles are. I see how they figured out their pecking order. I see how the role players play off those guys. I see what they're trying to do in crunch time. I can see where the chemistry is, the way they can read each other, the way they're in rhythm with each other. At some point, you recognize it. And we're not going to be able to say that about the Nets, period. And I I think it does matter. I I understand these are three of the greatest scorers in the game today. And in Durant's case, one of the greatest scorers of, of all time. And Harden, certainly, again, one of the greatest scorers of all time. Kyrie, one of the most creative with the ball of all time. They can do things in the last minutes of of close games that very few other teams can do. Some teams have nobody who can do that. And the Nets have three. I get all that. The playoffs are different. Defenses are tougher. The competition is tougher and chemistry matters more being able to read each other and understanding how you play off each other. I know they've known each other for a while, blah, blah, all that stuff. It has to matter at some point. I'm a big, big believer in chemistry. Talent alone is never enough in this league. And You know they've kind of solved some of their depth problems because of the buyout market. Or they lose they lose Lamarcus Aldridge, but still Blake Griffin bolstered them a little bit. Like the the role players are good enough, but I don't think you go into a a postseason with a big three that's only played 20 games together and say we're good. Like that has to matter.
1: Well, what also matters is what kind of teams that they may go up against in the playoffs. And I have a theory about one of them, but let's throw this at you. Uh, Which of these two stars and MVP candidates supporting cast is more ready to help them sort of carry this thing over the top? Is it Embiid's cast or Giannis's cast?
3: Which one's more ready to carry them over the top? Hmm. That's a really interesting question. Um, I think I'm leaning. This is not a prediction of who's going to actually win. I think the Sixers are the better team. But whose cast is better suited to or, or better prepared to support them? I mean, look, the Bucks. you know, Drew Holiday has seen and done just about everything in this league, aside from obviously go to the finals. And, you know, Chris Middleton's been with Giannis for a long time. And the core of that team has been together a long time. And they're – like I haven't looked at like the, the ages and, and thrown everything up side by side. Obviously, you guys are just hitting me on, with these on the fly. But my gut is that the Bucks have the more veteran roster overall, and the Sixers are relying on more youth, not just Ben Simmons notably, but you know Tybal and Shake Milton, and, and like it's a younger cast. And so the Bucks, in some respects, maybe are just the more seasoned group, and that that the that core aside from Drew Holiday and you know P.J. Tucker was a late ad, but they've been together a long time. And Tucker, there's another guy who's been there, done that, seen it all, except for making the finals. So I I, kind of lean Bucks to the specifics of your question, even though overall I kind of still lean Sixers um, for what Embiid has been doing this season.
2: So it sounds like you're leaning Sixers to get out of the East. Am I following you there? Yes, but. I love the but. So before you even go any further, because this is really all uh, we, we, we're we really trying to get on five on the floor, what do you think the Heat's chances are? And I think that can play into a little bit of what you see in terms of the favorites in the East.
3: Yeah, and the yes, but was going to lead among other places to the Heat. It's not just out of deference to them being the defending Eastern Conference champions, although that has a lot to do with it. And it's not just uh, out of respect for Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo. Like, that has a lot to do with it, too. It's the fact that, as you guys have noted, this is a really weird season. And, yeah, there's a clear pecking order. There's the three teams up top right now that have been there pretty much the whole time. And there's a certain reliability to the three of them. And it it sets them apart, and I get that. But, one, the Heat already came out of nowhere from the lower part of the bracket to make the finals last year. And if people want to say oh, circumstances bubble, everything else. Okay. That's fine. Like that, that, probably fed into it on some level, but you don't get there by accident. And this team still has all the fundamental pieces that did that. I think they are the, the prototypical team. Nobody wants to face in the playoffs, right? They're, if they finish in the lower part of the bracket, none of those teams at the top want to deal with the Miami heat in the first round. And they have the capability of knocking every single one of them out. I I, I truly believe that. I mean, I think, tougher with Embiid because like just dealing with him like nobody nobody really has anybody to deal with Embiid. um but could this heat team that's already been together and been to the finals knock out a nets team where the three stars have played seven minutes together yeah i wouldn't be surprised and especially because of the level of of defense we know the heat plays that we're not we're not sure if the nets will play um So I have not, and this is not me pandering to a Miami-based podcast, every radio show I've been on for the last couple of months, when they ask about the East, I have said, yes, it's those three teams at the top, but the heater in this as well. And at times I've put the Celtics in there and I kind of waver on them, uh, you know, because they're, they've been really hard to figure out all season. They seem to have kind of gotten it together again recently. Uh, If I'm being generous, I'll go five deep and, and put the Celtics in there as well.
1: All right, let's go to the offseason then. And I know this is going to make you very popular, what you just said on uh, in heat circles. So I'm just going to leave it there before you continue uh, and sort of focus on some of the negative things that Greg and I and Alex have focused <laughs> on a lot this season. Um, but number five, obviously, and, and we'll close here, You know, the Heat had a lot of interest in Kyle Lowry. I know you're very familiar with Toronto's situation and Masai. We were a little bit surprised that that he kind of, I mean, the bluff was called essentially and he decided to keep him into the off season, even though it doesn't seem like Toronto really wants to compete this year. How do you see that situation playing out in the off season?
3: I, I can only speculate. It's, it, it's just going to be a guess at this point. Obviously the, the organization was prepared to move on from Kyle Lowry if they got the deal that they wanted and they didn't, of course. Um, Kyle Lowry was prepared to move on and had kind of made peace with it. Because of that, I feel like it, it I'm not going to say it's inevitable and it's a done deal that he's gone this summer, but man, like the Raptors, they lost Kawhi. And then a year later they lost Serge Ibaka and Marcus Saul and Lowry is the age he is. And they're trying to figure out what they've got with that Siakam Ananobi, Van Vliet young core. And they, and, and you know, they've added uh, now Gary Trent Jr. They, like they're moving forward with a younger core, And that doesn't mean that Lowry can't still have value there, but does he want to stay? Does he want to go chase a ring before the door closes on him? It's not going to be in Toronto. That's clear. He could, he could help the heat make the finals again, whether they make it this year or not. Could he bolster them for next season? Absolutely. Um, Could the Knicks go and throw money at him because they're going to have a ton of cap room and the Knicks, I think still badly need uh, a a different kind of player at that position. I don't know if Derek Rose is the long-term answer. I mean, look, Lowry's not a long-term answer for anybody either, but if the Knicks with the kind of magical season they've had, have it plugging in Lowry there, I I think would be, would be great for them. Um, You know, he could go to LA, take the minimum, go play with LeBron. Like there's so many options open to Kyle Lowry, depending on what he's willing to take. And he's made a boatload of money. So if he wants to just say, I, the, you know, the contract is secondary. My goal now is just to, to go win a ring somewhere. He'll have his pick of, you know, four or five teams, I think. Uh, maybe that's overstating it a little. And Philly, of, of course, is home for him. He's been tied to that team multiple times over the years as a potential destination. Um, I, I have to think that he's he's leaving Toronto, destination unknown, but Miami, I think, would be really attractive. I mean, my God, if there's anybody who, like, is the perfect embodiment of, like, heat culture, you know, Kyle Lowry is it. It's a seamless fit.
1: Yeah, and,
3: of course, the relationship between Jimmy... And Kyle. Well, Howard, we
1: appreciate it. Again, you can follow his work now at Sports Illustrated National NBA Writer. Thanks for taking the time, man. Thank you. Always a pleasure, fellas. Thank you. All right. And before we get to the next part of our episode with Eric Brown, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. After you eat that Miami grill, you got to get in shape. So check out F45 in Cooper City. Again, this is the F45 in Cooper City. I've done this thing. It is a lot of fun and it's really hard <laughs> but you'll wanna go back, trust me. F45 specializes in 45 minute fun and innovative, high intensity interval training programs. They've got like a guy on the screen. You gotta follow everything that he does the entire time. Yes, they do give you a break. It's not very long. They want you to keep working and they work with you. If there's something that you can't do, they'll try to help you with something you can do. I'm not particularly coordinated beyond one movement, okay? They've figured that out with me already. This is not a regular gym. It's a community that will keep you engaged and motivated. The workouts burn up to 500 calories, per session and help you drop the quarantine 15 here's the best part they got month to month no contract memberships available for as low as eight bucks per session so they don't tie you up forever and they got discounts for teachers nurses military and first responders here's the phone number make sure you check out this one it's in cooper city right on sterling road not too far from the hard rock 954-745-4517 that's 954-745-4517 f45 and now Second part of our episode, Eric Brown challenges me on a whole bunch of things in our weekly value plays segment. All right. Welcome back to five on the floor. It's time for one of our semi-regular segments here on the program. You can find this guy at five That's spell it out. Five reasons, He's the official realtor, of the five reasons sports network. And also, also a huge heat fan, heat season ticket holder. So we're going to get into some heat topics. We tend to flip the tables here. He asks me most of the questions and puts me on the spot. So, Eric Brown, go.
4: Okay. First topic I wanted to cover a little bit was uh, watching the game last night against San Antonio. And um, this isn't going to come as a revelation, but the Heat offense is really, really struggles. When you watch them, it's, it's like watching a football team that relies solely on the running game. They, they just don't have any juice, any, you know, real uh, explosiveness to them. Uh, and it's, it, it makes it really difficult, all that cutting and handoffs. And, and part of the problem is that they are, their three-point shooting is really poor. You know, they're right now 24th in the league in three-point shooting. And the six teams under them are the Pelicans, Thunder, Magic, Wizards, Cavs, and Rockets. That's not a group you want to keep company with. And uh, the top five three-point shooting teams in the league are Clippers, Bucks, Jazz, Nets, and Nuggets. Those five teams are also the top five scoring teams in the league, of which the, uh, the Heat are 27th in points per game, 23rd in points per 100 per So there's, there's really a problem with the offense. The only thing that's saving the team at all and, and giving them some respectability is if they perform relatively well well
1: on on defense so it, it, it to me it begs this show is sponsored by better help what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day go for a run take a nap maybe check the stats of the latest miami heat game i've got a better idea a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time the question is time for what if time was unlimited to get ten percent off your first month, again, that's BetterHelp H E L P dot slash Miami Heat.
4: The the, the couple questions. Um, the first one is, and, and probably the overriding question, are the Heat athletic enough offensively? You can unlock your three point shooters if you have some uh, a, a player or players that can drive and kick and. Get the three-point shooters better shots. Um, I, I know. I know. We the idea was to get Oladipo and and plug him in, and hopefully he would uh, be someone that that could serve that in that role. But realistically, a- after Friday, there's only 12 games left in, in the regular season. It's too late. He's going to go out there. He's not going to be 100 percent physically. He's certainly not going to be 100 percent mentally. So. Uh, and, and the other question, just kind of as an aside, as great as Jimmy Butler has been, why has he, he such a poor three-point shooter? Normally, there's a correlation between foul shooting. He's what, like an 85% foul shooter this year, and he's shooting 22% you know, from three. He, he, historically, his career three-point number is 32%. He's never been a great three-point shooter, but since he got to Miami he's in the tw- low 20s, So can you answer those few questions? How are we going to address, should we address the athleticism and uh, the Butler and Oladipo
0: situations?
1: All right, as far as athleticism goes, um, the Heat have, as you know, typically in the Riley era, not been a team that's leaned too heavily on athleticism with the exception of kind of Dwayne pre-peak, into peak, and then obviously, you know, LeBron, et cetera. But if you take a look at, the majority of the good heat teams, they've not been sort of outliers athletically. Um, the late nineties teams with Pat were not athletic teams at all. Uh, if you look at it in the traditional sense, I mean, it was built on, you know, a guy in Tim Hardaway who'd basically lost his athleticism by the time he got to Miami. Uh, Zo, uh, who was known for a lot of things, but not for being, I, I think ultra athletic. I, I think, you know, ferocious. Yes. Um, but as we know, he could be a little clunky in the post. Uh, it wasn't, that really wasn't his thing. And then they had guys like Marley, et cetera, uh, that, that were not, you know, Uber athletic. Um, and, and again, you look at other er- eras of heat basketball that, that hasn't typically been the way that they've gone, um, where they've just thrown sort of athletes on the floor, uh, similar to kind of what we see a little bit now with Toronto and some other teams, the Clippers over the years, uh, that really hasn't been Miami. Do they need to get more athletic? I, I think they do. I think that was part of the purpose of the Casey Akpala draft pick. But the problem is Casey is so raw at this stage that the athleticism only really translates at the top of the zone defensively, but really nowhere else. Um, I think you can make an argument that Bam for his position is ultra athletic, uh, I mean, he's probably as athletic as anybody who plays that spot, but ultimately there's a, there's an upside. There's a, there's a cap to kind of where you can go with that. Uh, He's exceeded it. I think in some ways, but, but they, they really have never had traditionally over the years uh, a ton of those sort of two, three Uber athletic wings. They've gone uh, more for the types, you know, once their athleticism was, was kind of gone, Trevor Ariza was an athletic player early in his career, right? Andre Iguodala was, was in the slam dunk contest, early in his career, but typically the heat have not had a lot of players. DJJ was a recent exception uh, that would be, you know, entries into the dunk contest. So it's just, I don't think it's something that they, I think, honestly, Eric, if you were to say you can get intelligence or athleticism as an, as a player's key attribute, they would go for intelligence 10 times out of 10. I I just think that's, that's where they're at. Now, as far as Depot goes, I I think that when you're looking at with Depot, I think you're right that, getting him up to the speed that you wanted him to be at to really, really affect this offense is going to be challenging, if not impossible at this stage. I do think you saw him with the ability to bend the defense. Uh, There's some athleticism involved in that, which was creating better opportunities for shooters. So if he can still do some of that, I think it's helpful, but I don't think that they can lean on, 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 uh, on Oladipo for that necessarily at this stage, as far as the three point shooting with Jimmy goes, it's been a bit of a mystery Whenever I talk to people around him, they say, well, it's just a confidence thing with him, but it doesn't look like it to me. You mentioned he's a really good free throw shooter. He has no confidence issue at the line. Uh, He has a very flat shot. Um, I don't think it gives him a lot of wiggle room from three because he doesn't really get that much arc on the shot. I know that there are people around him who've said to him, pretend there's someone in front of you, even if there's not. Um, when he gets arc on the shot, he tends to make more of them. There also is the history of wrist injuries and ankle injuries. And I think both of those could play into sort of the struggles from three. I don't see Eric, him often just get completely set on three point shots. It feels to me like with him, it's always an afterthought. Um, even with Dwayne, who was, you know, really deadly from mid range, but not from three, even with Dwayne, he would get his feet set most of the time. I don't see Jimmy do that all the time. So Uh, on all three of your things, I think offensively, there is a cap to this team. There is a, there is a level. I think they're going to have trouble, trouble getting past. The athleticism is some of it. um, But I think ultimately it's that they, they just haven't had the three point shooting that they've had last year.
4: Uh, Just one more comment on Jimmy. He's such a worker. You know, he prides himself and, and staying in shape and talks about doing the work. And at this point of his career, It seems to me that it's just a matter of putting the time in. I mean, maybe I'm just being very simplistic as a layperson in making that comment, but you can improve your shot. Everyone says you can improve your shot. And this seems to me like something that, particularly as he's getting on in years, that would extend his window. The the three-point shooting in the league has gone up. The last several years, everybody's shooting better. It seems like that's something that Jimmy could improve on.
1: Yeah, it's a fine line. I, I I don't think it's that he doesn't put work into it. I think it's that he doesn't prioritize it. I, I also think part of it is that he can be defiant to trends. <laughs> it's kind of the way he is. It's his personality. If you say uh-huh. something is black, he'll say it's white. If you say it's white, he'll say it's black. The fact that the whole league has gone to the three point line, I think Jimmy has kind of taken it. Uh, as a source of pride that he can do what he does without it. I I think that plays into this a little bit. Um, We saw with Dwayne that Dwayne tried it. Dwayne went, went through stretches of his career and even had moments, but never was able to sustain it. And I think with Jimmy, it may just be part of the thing where he just realizes he's not that good at it. And all the work in the world is not going to make him a plus player from there. So it's better for him to work on everything else. I mean, I, I think again, it's a fine line. If he was, if he was taking a bunch of threes, I think Heat fans would be frustrated that he wasn't putting his head, you know, down and getting to the basket and and drawing fouls. I I, I would argue that the three point plays that he creates the conventional way, which put other teams in foul trouble, which slow the game down, um, which kind of allow the heat to get set defensively are a lot more valuable than him making an occasional three. I, I have, I, I wish he was 33% or better from three, but I actually appreciate the choice that he's made not to overemphasize it when he knows he's better at something else that something else helps the team more.
4: Okay. Um, next thing, uh, I guess uh, some of the decisions that the heat are uh, conf- going to be confronted with this off season. And even at the trade deadline, we're confronted with had me thinking about this kind of fantasy uh, I ask you this question. Uh, let's imagine that you could give Pat Riley or Andy Ellisberg one special GM superpower uh, so that they, they could look at new talent that's entering the league uh, and they could evaluate it for uh, making draft choices. That's as, as if we ever have draft picks that we use again or you know, just for future reference. Which one of the following superpowers would you choose? being able to know a player's NBA ceiling, being able to know a player's NBA floor, being able to know their future NBA longevity and their durability during that time, or number four, being able to know their character.
1: Well, that's tough. Um, Okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to eliminate one first. I'm going to eliminate NBA floor. Um, And the reason for that is that there are certain players that you can just find who have a certain floor. So I don't think that knowing that say a guy you bring in worst case scenario, which is basically what a floor is, right? Mm, Yes. Worst case scenario is going to be, you know, you know, an 8.6 rebound player who's, you know, capable of giving you 20 effective minutes a night and defending a at a reasonably competent level. The reality is you can find those guys. I mean, the heat just did with Trevor Ariza, who's been out for a year and they gave up essentially nothing to get him. So I I don't think that the floor is the most important thing. Um, Durability and character, I I think both are important for different reasons, but we've seen players with poor character who succeed. We've seen players with great character who don't. So I I don't know that I'm going to play into that that much. And durability, I mean, if you knew exactly like, Derrick Rose is going to stay healthy for the rest of his career. Then sure. Um, that's a, super,
4: a superpower. It's a, it,
1: it, it, it's a superpower. Then, then obviously that matters because, I mean, I would probably put that one second because it does matter. I mean, you want to know that your investment is going to be in a player that you're going to actually see out there all the time, but I would tell you NBA ceiling is most important. I mean, the reality is this game is defined by stars. If a player, if you know what a guy's ceiling is, what he can become, uh, you know whether or not it's worth making an investment in that particular player and worth building your franchise around that particular player. I think if you could say to the Heat right now, we know that Bam Adebayo's ceiling is Kevin Garnett-level Hall of Fame-type play for a sustained period of time, I think you would take the risks. With, now, of course, we know what Bam's character is. We get a sense of his durability, um, and we kind of know what his floor is. We've already seen it. But I, I, I think that if you knew... Bam was going to be this, then that changes the direction of your franchise because then you're building around that particular player. Um, and again, in this case, I think the Heat feel they have that superpower. They have a ch- pretty good idea. But I think to me, that's the most important, particularly if you're making big money investments in a player. You want to know can this player change my franchise for a period of time? And so I would say NBA ceiling.
4: Now, I'm going to push back a little bit on that one. I would pick ceiling second and character first knowing what their work ethic is, their intelligence level, you know, what, you know, what they're willing to value, you know, whether it's money or they just want to succeed, their competitiveness, I think you can, I think you can judge some of their physical characteristics to some extent. I think, it's, I think it's their character, their personality that I'd want to know about. Just think about right now with Tyler, for instance, if we knew 100, you know, other than the stuff that you leak on uh,
1: you know, your podcast, yeah, I, you know. Yeah, I know, and and, and and yeah, that's a sore subject because okay, okay, I, I, but, well, because 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 I mean, the ways again, I can't say anything without it being, I mean, without it being taken out of context. So I, I, just, you know, again, that that got translated in a way that, just to be fair on this, you know, we didn't say anything about his work ethic, um, and and by the way. We also weren't making a value judgment since we call this value plays on what he's doing. I, I'm I I have no idea what he's doing, and and honestly, I don't care. Um, I mean, I've covered lots of players who, no matter what, we can imagine Tyler here might be doing off the court. Trust me. Okay, it, it was much more significant for others. All Ira and I were doing was reporting the exact same things we've heard probably from different sources that the organization has had some concern. That's it. I, I it's cause I, I I'm glad you mentioned it because I'm getting these tweets at me today. Look what Tyler did. He shoved it in your, like, I, I want Tyler to succeed. I like Tyler. Like I, this is, I don't care what he's doing. And trust me. Like I said, I used to, I traveled with these teams for, you know, 15 years. I had a general idea what was going on on the road. Okay. So I'm glad you mentioned it, but let's move on. Uh, I, I, I only <laughs>
4: brought that up to, to just to tease you because I actually heard uh, the broadcast. I heard it live when you said it, and it, it did get twisted. That wasn't how you said it. I totally agree. I'm
1: just, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, it's I know perfect. you're not, but I, I know everybody else is. But, but, but what about
4: some of the other players, like Dion Waiters or, or or yeah. or, or, or even Victor Oladipo at this moment? If you knew. You know, before he came in, because remember, it's for future reference. Before o- o- Depot came in, you knew what his character was. Wouldn't wouldn't you Wouldn't it make it easier to make decisions?
1: Yeah, it, it would. But I think all four things you chose. Well, three of the four things you offered would make it easier to make the decisions. I think NBA ceiling. If you knew what Victor could level, he could get to that superpower would be very useful. Obviously, durability right. with Victor yeah, but you would only, be very you only useful pick to one. know. I- so. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, I think NBA floor. Okay. We know what that is with Victor, so we don't we don't need that. So I, I think you could choose choose any of the other three, and you would get an answer on Victor that would help you know direct your decision. Yeah, I'd be
4: curious I what uh, Riley or Ellsberg really thought about that themselves. They're in a position to know which one would help them the most. Anyway,
1: well, if either of them is <laughs> okay. thing, feel free. To- um,
4: <laughs> and uh, just <laughs> to take the fantasy a little further. Um, yes. If Riley or Ellisberg could pick one Eastern Conference team for the next 10 years that they could block from signing a top-tier free agent.
1: Well, I know. I mean, with Pat, I'm not even gonna let you fit it. I mean with Pat, you know it's right. No, no, I don't think so. No?
4: okay. I I I I, 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 I
1: think right, that would, would be, be my New second York. choice. Yeah, I would think it would be New York. I mean, whatever, you know, bad feelings with Danny Ainge aside. Um, I think I don't you know, I I don't know what the feelings are with Tibbs now. Of course, there was that, you know, the breakdown of the trade talks in Minnesota, but I don't think they're like Ainge. But but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it would be New York. I mean, the reality is, you know, the Knicks. I don't know if it's a point of pride or not, but the Knicks haven't had really any success since since, you know, Pat left other than, you know, the one finals with with Jeff, um, which was somewhat with some of Pat's players and not all of them. Um, obviously, because Spreewell and Canby, etc. But I, I, I mean, otherwise, it's been a wasteland for two decades. And I, I mean, I got to think that's just somewhat a source of... I, I think that's packed. going to
4: change, though. <laughs> so, Don't you think it's changing now already?
1: I mean, I do. I mean, I, I think that... Um, we talk about a floor. I think Tom Thibodeau teams have a floor. I, I think that... It, he is going to always maximize what you have. The question with, and, and which makes him a very good NBA coach. The question with Tom is getting involved on the personnel side and then additionally break wearing down his players, both emotionally, physically, and in all other ways. Um, but I do think that uh, he has instilled something. There is a floor with the Tom Thibodeau team. And I think the, the Knicks have obviously exceeded that floor, but I don't know. Their ceiling to me is not that high unless they get the premium free agent. And that premium free agent has got to be willing to play for Tom Thibodeau. And I, I'm saying most will, but not all. So that, that's where okay. I
4: Okay. Um, Last one. While I'm handing uh-huh. out superpowers, I thought I'd give you one for this year. Uh, yes. Pick, it. No
1: problem. I want the superpower for aggregators <laughs> to work <put them laughs> properly. Is that, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that possible? I was going to
4: say something about that, but I thought I'd stay away from it.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um,
4: for this year, pick one team that the Heat won't have to worry about losing to in this year's playoffs. That's either the Heat will beat them if they face them, or that team will lose before the Heat would have to play them this year.
1: I think it's the Nets. Um, I, I I know people would want to say the Sixers because there's this natural kind of weird rivalry between the two franchises and their philosophies. Um, and obviously Boston, you know, there's more of a natural rivalry now because you've played them again in this cycle and you played them in the, la- in the Heat's last good cycle. But I've got to think that it's – got to think it's the Nets because, well, A, you just don't want to deal with them. So if somebody else beats them, that's better. But also um, if Miami beat Brooklyn, in a lot of ways it's a validation of some of the decision-making that was made this year. Um, and so I, I think they would greatly enjoy that uh i don't know that it's very likely to happen <laughs> so I, I would i would say brooklyn okay fair enough i think i'd agree with you on that one. Oh my god we're on the same page so let's do this because we got more for next week but let's let's wrap it here what what uh, where do people find you again five reasons realtor.com. what can you do for them other than other than get the, get their stuff aggregated in a proper way
4: <laughs> i have real estate superpowers just uh, go onto my website and contact me and i'll show you what they are
1: all right. That's 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 perfect. All right, next, next next week, I'm going to challenge you on if I could give you one of four real estate superpowers, uh, which those would be. Re- obviously, seriously, though, reach out to Eric. Uh, certainly, if you're looking for property in the Boca Raton, Delray Beach um, area or anywhere in South Florida, uh, but there's some stuff that's coming online that you should definitely check yeah. out. So make, out, make sure you reach out to him at 5reasonsrealtor.com. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for having me.
3: Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.
4: After the end of a good fight,